Happy Mother's Day to all of you that are moms. But I'm not going to be preaching to you today, moms. I'm going to be preaching about you, but not to you. I think it's phenomenal that a man by the name of Noah and eight people preserved the lineage of humanity and never had a book written about him. I think it's amazing that Abraham, the father of our faith and the father of three faiths, at least three faiths claim him, Muslims, Christians, and Jews, did so much about the walk of faith and a book was never written about him. I think it's incredible that a man by the name of Joseph was given a God-given gift of how to interpret dreams and his ability to interpret dreams and his wisdom to avert a disastrous famine that was coming to the Middle East probably saved the whole Middle East from a change, yet never had a book written about him. Just a couple chapters. But there are two incredible single women that did amazing things. And I'm going to talk about one of them who was an incredible single woman by the name of Ruth. And I'm really speaking today to single women, maybe your single mom, you want to get married. And those of you that are single men, young men, you can listen to me because you can glean something. But what you need to know is that these incredible moms that are in evangelical Christian church today were first incredible single women before they became incredible moms. They had some principles in their lives that attracted the right man, godly man, that brought in a family that blessed them. And so today I want to talk to you about an incredible single woman by the name of Ruth and some things that Ruth did. And I don't have any daughters. I have two sons. I have two amazing sons. But today I'm going to preach as if I had a daughter. And if I had a daughter, this is exactly what I would say to her if I had a daughter. You say a little bit things different to a son than you do a daughter. But let me give you a little background to the story of Ruth because we don't have time to read it. But Ruth basically came from a country of Moab. Now you got to get this context of Moab. God told Abraham to leave his father and mother and family and friends and country and go to a place that he was going to show him, though God never showed him until he started taking a step of faith. Abraham was disobedient, and he took his nephew Lot, and he took his father. His father eventually died. His nephew Lot became a real pain in his life. He married a woman who loved the things of the world, and eventually he caused so much faction over prosperity and money that they moved away from Abraham, the father of the faith, down to a place named Sodom and Gomorrah. Because that's where things were happening. That's where the money was. Excitement. Well, what happened is, you know, God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed it, but the angels came down and said, we can't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until you lot get your two daughters and your wife out of here. And don't look back. 
Don't look back at the sin of the disgusting things of worldliness in Sodom and Gomorrah. So you may know the story. They left, and the mother and wife looked back and turned into what? Pillar of salt. She loved the things of the world more than she loved her own husband and her own daughters. Can you imagine that? Well, the two daughters went up to the hill, and they said, hey, we need to keep our line going. Let's get dad drunk, and let's have sex with him. Let's commit incest, and we will get pregnant with our dad's seed, and we will propagate our dad's line. So they had the idea. They got their dad drunk. They both slept with them. They both had children. One was Ammon, where the Ammonites came from. The other one was Moab, where the Moabites came from. Ruth was from the country of Moab. Are you with me? From all the incest. Now, in Moab, they worshipped a god like we worship abortion here. They would take their children, their firstborn children, and kill them and stuff them in little pots and then kill them and offer them to the, to the idol so they would have favor. And so this is how they aborted children. You know, abortion's not new. Don't think the United States started this. It's been around for millenniums. So this is maybe Ruth had to forego her first child and have an abortion and give it to the god of Moab. And what happened is that she fell in love with this guy named, well, we don't have his name, but he was a Jewish guy. There's a woman from Israel who went through a famine and she decided to step out of the will of God and leave Israel and go to a country named Moab. She went there with her husband and her two sons. Her two sons married Moabite women. One was Ruth. And her and her husband went there. And after time, her husband died and her two sons died. Are you with me? And she was so upset. She walked out on God, did everything that God told her not to do, and she copped an attitude with God. Anyone know anyone like that? <laughs> So finally, Naomi came to her senses. She's going, I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to Israel. I, I lost the most three important men in my life. She told her daughter-in-laws, who lost their husbands, they died, go back, you're young, go remarry. I'm going back to Israel. The one said, okay, I will. The other one named Ruth says, no, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to go with you. Moab is a terrible place. It's nothing but pain. I will not stay here. I'm going with you. I am going to go with you. You with me? So this is the backdrop of the story of Ruth. And not only that, but Naomi was so mad at God and she got so bitter for losing her husband two sons that she changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. So how would you like to have a mother-in-law whose name was bitter? <laughs> All right, so let's, let's read the story. This is the backdrop. And Naomi is about to go back to Israel. She's leaving Moab. Moab was nothing but a broken heart. She lost everything there. So she said to her daughters, her, her daughter-in-laws, Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown? 
Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her and said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, the Moabites, and to her what? You return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to go back from following you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be, and I don't like my Moabite gods. I don't even know who your God is, but your God is going to be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried, and the Lord do to me, and more also, if anything but death parts from you and me. Now, that's quite a relationship with a mother-in-law, isn't it? Amazing. Well, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was gossiping. Look who's back! City was excited because of them. The woman said, Is that you, Naomi? You don't age well. <laughs> you look terrible. What happened to you? And you go back. And sometimes people kick you when they're up, and sometimes they kick you when you're what? Down. So that's, that's from Ruth 1, 12 to 19. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the incredible moms that are here today. And Lord, there are some single moms that want to get married. There are some single ladies that want to get married and become incredible moms. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them an ear, that you would, Lord, open up your heart to the principles of Ruth, of how she honored her mother-in-law. And by honoring her, Lord, you blessed her lavishly. And Father, she did it in faith, not knowing where she was going but she trusted in the God of her mother-in-law. So, Lord, give us ears to hear today and let the word as seed take root in our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. I want to give you ladies, if I had a daughter, these are the things I would say to my daughter based on the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. The first thing I would tell you is that I'm going to give you single ladies knowledge. What you do with it determines whether it becomes wisdom in your life or not. You can present knowledge to people and they don't want the truth. <laughs> they don't want the truth. Because they already have something in their life that they got planned. But let me tell you something. If you take the knowledge I give you, and bathe it in prayer before the Lord, maybe you will become a wise, incredible single woman that will set you up to become one of these incredible moms that we have here today. These incredible moms in our presence today were first incredible single women. And you have to find out what made them incredible. So the first thing I want to give you, the first principle of knowledge is 
you must know that you got to go where you've never been to create something you've never had. You have to know. Faith demands that you go someplace you've never been to have something you don't have. Ruth went from Moab to Israel. She went where she'd never been to get something she's never had. That's called faith. You with me? The problem today with most people is they keep doing what they've always done and they keep getting what they always got. And then they blame God. And then God shows them to do something and they disobey him and they keep doing what they've always done and they keep getting what they always got. And they get a little bit more bitter and they keep doing what they've always done and they keep getting what they've always got. Faith does what you've never done and it'll take you to a place you've never been. That's called knowledge. Ruth did that. She knew that. Abraham left his family, his country, his friends, and he went to a place that he'd never been before. Faith. To obtain something he didn't have. When he had Isaac, the promised child, there came a time when Isaac had to leave Abraham with his wife, Rebekah, and he had to go where he'd never been to obtain something he never got. Joseph because of his brothers, beat him up and sold him into slavery. He was forced to go where he'd never been, Egypt, to obtain something he would have never gotten anywhere else. And he became the prime minister of Egypt, did he not? Do you know, your pastor left my, my family, my friends, my country of Canada to go to East Providence, Rhode Island. I went where I've never been. Do you know, when I went to Bible school, I never went to the college to check it out because I knew beforehand that's where God wanted me to go. Why do I need to check out where I know God wants me to go? It was a principle of faith. I went where I'd never been to obtain something that I didn't have. And not only did God prove to me my calling to serve him, but that pretty little redhead over there to my left, you're right, I got her in East Providence. I didn't get her in Canada. You with me? It's a principle of faith. You must go where you've never been to obtain something that you don't have. And so many people, they, are, they, just, they, they don't want to change. They don't want to get out of their three-by-five little box. And so they don't. And all they do is complain about their life because they are unwilling to go where they don't know you know, there's some people that should be in this church, and they don't have the faith to travel 20 minutes to come here, but they have the faith to go 45 minutes to go to Costco. You with me? They're afraid to come here because the news media said you could catch COVID, but they'll go 45 minutes to go to Costco. It's not a principle of faith. Ruth knew the road to miracles is not a smooth road. you got to go over bumps. Do you remember when Jesus prayed for that one blind man and the man wanted to see? So Jesus spit into the dirt, made mud, put it in his eyes, and he said, now go wash your face in the pool of Siloam. Now, you might think the pool of Siloam was 20 feet over that way. The pool of Siloam was a mile away. How does a blind man who got spit and mud thrown in his eyes go wash the pool of Siloam? 
Well, you figure it out. Because his road to a miracle must have grabbed someone to say, would you please take me to the Pool of Siloam? Pool of Siloam, are you nuts? That's a mile away. I hate taking you. Next person. Did he stop? And he went there and he washed his eyes and the road to his miracle, was it a smooth path? Neither was Ruth. These incredible moms here today, they're incredible moms because they took the hard road as a single woman. And some people take the easy road and then they get mad. It's not. You have to know you must go where you've never been to create something that you've never had. Ruth said, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're lodging. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And where you die, you with me? Faith is an action. It's not dip, dip, dip. It's not talk. It's an action. She did it. She left her country. And God blessed her and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and uh, Joseph and me and many others that understand that. The second truth or knowledge to become an incredible woman is that she knows to whom she's been assigned. You know to who you've been assigned. Listen to me, young young ladies, even you young men. There are seasons in life for you to understand your purpose. You have to understand you've been assigned. When you're a child, you're assigned to your mom and dad, and you honor them, and you obey them. Then you grow up. If you're a woman, you get married, you're assigned to your husband. And then you have children, you're assigned to your children. You are assigned to them, and you serve them, as Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in life, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father. I don't care if your boss is a good down, good for nothing rascal. You serve him as 110% as if you're serving the Lord. It's called honor. And don't say, well, I'd rather have a mother-in-law like Naomi. You'd rather have Mara, bitter. This woman, Ruth, served a bitter mother-in-law. But she knew that's exactly what she was to do. And so when they got back to Israel, they went back to her house because back then the banks couldn't sell it from underneath you. And so Ruth said, I got to go out into the field and I got to, in Israel, you could allow poor people to go into the fields and they could glean from the wheat and the barley. So Ruth goes and she gleaned in the field until evening to beat out what she gleaned and then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So Ruth brought out and gave to her what she kept back for her mother. She ate some, and then she honored her mother. She didn't just eat for herself. She knew to who she was assigned. You know, there's a great evangelist. Before Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist that ever lived, there was another guy by the name of D.L. Moody. I don't know if you heard of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was so instrumental that God used him. He was assigned. He, he brought hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And England wanted him to come, which was a shock. Because of the Revolutionary War, there was such a hatred between Americans and the English. 
And D.L. Moody went in the late 1800s and early 1900s and began to preach crusades in England. And so many thousands of people got saved in England, they began to look at D.L. as a wonderful American. It began to heal the rift between them. So much so that a few years later, World War I came along, and who do you think England asked for help? Then World War II came along, and who did England ask for help? And it all come back to a guy named D.L. Moody who could have said, I ain't going to England, those bunch of, I'm not going, no, he knew to whom he was assigned. And God used that to save that nation of Israel. It's amazing. Do you know to whom you've been assigned to? And are you assigned to someone saying, well, they're a good-for-nothing jerk, I don't have... No, you do it as unto the Lord. This is one of the principles of excellence, of honor. When you serve those with honor, as Ruth did, it'll come back to you. We know one of the great keys to the kingdom of God is servanthood anyways, is it not? The greatest among you is he who what? Serves. Very important. Principle number three of how to be an incredible woman. If you were my daughter, this is what I would tell you. You need to know that if you want to marry someone, a godly man of God, know that productive men notice productive women. Men are not attracted to lazy women. And most women are not attracted to lazy men. I've told this to my sons, and I would say this to you as my daughter. You know, at first it starts with outer beauty. You have to be attracted to the woman. You have to be attracted to the man. But sooner or later, it's that inward beauty that will keep you in the relationship. And do you know what a good work ethic is? It's one of the inward beauties of a woman. It's one of the inward beauties of a man. She was being looked at by the owner of the field of the barley called Boaz. She didn't even know who he was, but he noticed her. Because she was going back there all the time working, and she wasn't eating everything. She, he had heard that she was taking some back to her mother-in-law. And so Boaz, what she didn't know is Boaz was related to her mother, Naomi. And so Boaz, who owned the big estate, commanded the young men that worked for him, let Ruth glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. All right? Do not reproach her. Also, let the grain from the bundles fall purposely for her, Leave it that she may glean. How I many know oh, he didn't give her everything? He said she's still got to work, but make her work a little bit less, a little less. Leave a little bit extra behind. And so that's what they would do. And a good man, a godly man, is not only attracted to your beauty, ladies, they're attracted to the inward beauty. And a work ethic is just one of them. One of many. Boaz noticed it. Now, as the story goes on, 
Naomi found out that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, was working in her family's field. And she says, oh my gosh, this is amazing how God brought you into his field. You don't understand. When someone loses their husband in Israel, one of the family members that is not married has to marry her. And the first child is named after the dead husband. You with me? So if, uh, if I died and my wife didn't have any children, she would maybe marry one of my cousins or something like that, and the first child would be named Paul. So Naomi, Naomi says, I'm too old to remarry, and I'm too old to give birth. But you know what I'm going to do, Ruth? I'm going to give you my birthright. I'm going to give you my right to Boaz, because Boaz is the nearest king. He's the nearest kin. So I want you to do something. I want you to do what I tell you to do. And uh, this is what she says. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. Why? Because you honored me. You honored me. For all the people of the town know that you are a virtuous woman. You are a virtuous woman. Now listen. When you do what you know this book tells you to do, it doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't even matter if maybe you had an abortion. Maybe Ruth had an abortion. When you begin to follow the path of faith, you know God can take what was evil in your past and turn it around for good. He didn't cause the evil, but he can take the bad and turn it around like he's doing for Ruth. That's the goodness of our God. And so Ruth is told one more bit of knowledge. The first bit of knowledge, you must go where you've never been to obtain something you don't have, and you will never get it where you're at. That's called faith. The second thing, the second bit of knowledge, is that you must know to whom you've assigned. You must know to whom you're assigned. Who do you serve? Who do you love? Do it as unto the Lord. Number three, the third thing you must know, if you want a godly man or single man, a godly woman, they are attracted to a good work ethic. How many know that the United States work ethic is not called the United States work ethic? What is the United States work ethic called? Say it out loud. Judeo-Christian work ethic. Anyone ever hear that? The Judeo-Christian work ethic. It's not called the European. It's not called the German. It's not called the Canadian. It's called the Judeo-Christian work ethic because the Jews and the Christians, part of their Christian faith is to what? Work. In fact, Paul says if you don't work, you don't eat if you're able to work. And so this was in them. This was in them. But the fourth thing that Ruth is told by her mother-in-law, the fourth piece of knowledge, is this. You got to know, honey, to dress for where you're going because I'm going to try to set you up for a man and you need to understand men. And don't think because you're young, you know a man better than a woman who's older than you. 
Most older women know men better than younger women. And so Naomi says, you got to dress by faith. I'm going to give you my birthright. I'm going to give you my Israeli right, the custom to marry Boaz, but you need to do what I'm telling you. You say, oh, pastor, I read that book, Dress for Success. I thought that was someone wrote that. No, it comes right out of the Bible. Most of the books you read today come right out of the Bible. You have to understand if you have to dress, ladies. I'm talking to a woman who wants to be an incredible single woman to, to just have someone. And Ruth, one of the other beautiful inner beauty things of Ruth is that she's teachable by her mother-in-law. She honors her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law tells her, no, you have to dress up for Boaz. You have to put yourself together like a woman. And she listens. She listens. You see, it's those women that says, oh, mom, you know nothing. You know nothing, dad. You know nothing. And you're the ones that go marry those cool, Fonzarella, happy days, cool guys that turn out to be losers because you just couldn't listen to someone. You couldn't be teachable. You couldn't humble yourself. You couldn't listen to something. Don't get away from that guy. He's all show. But Ruth is teachable. Every incredible woman is a teachable woman. In fact, Titus, Paul writes to the, uh, those in Titus, and he tells the older ladies, now listen, you ladies that are married, you incredible moms, don't sin against the Lord and sin against your daughters. Paul said this, let the older women in the church likewise, they should be reverent in their behavior. Don't be a gossip, don't slander, but be a teacher of what? And who are you going to teach? The young women. And what are you going to teach them? Because it's not always easy to love a husband, is it? So you teach them to love their husband, and you teach them to love their children, because guess what? Those little angels that come out at birth, they grow up and become little demons sometimes, don't they? And to be discreet, how you dress, chase, homemakers, and obedient to what? This is what he said. Now, notice, ladies, that Ruth didn't say, well, if Boaz wants me, he's got to take me the way I am. Barley in my hair, no deodorant. I worked in the field. If he don't accept me the way I am, then that's his fault. Is that what, he's, is that what she said? No. To some women. God, take me the way I am. Foolish woman. Do you not know that God created men different than women? Do you not know that men look at different things than women look at? And if you really want a man to love you, don't treat them like a woman. Be teachable. Be teachable. Now, this is what Naomi said. Ruth, go take a bath. Get the barley out of your hair. Go wash yourself. Anoint yourself. Put on some makeup. Put on some... You know, put on some perfume, put your best garments on, and go down to the threshing floor. Do not make yourself known to him, Boaz, 
until he finished eating and drinking. Don't interrupt the man while he's eating because no man likes to be interrupted while he's eating. And don't interrupt him while he's watching the football game. No man likes to be interrupted while he's watching the football game. Can I get an amen? Is there some teachable women? Don't shut off the TV with the soccer, the basketball. All right? Listen to me, woman. I'm older than you. You're young. You know nothing about men. You wait till he's eating, drinking, watch the game, and then keep your mouth shut. Wait till he has some glasses of wine in him. Then you can go talk to him. Am I giving you some wisdom today? You want to know we have some incredible moms here today because they were first some incredible single women. And they understand that you have to package yourself for men. I'm talking about packaging yourself for a godly man. Because to package yourself for an ungodly man is different than packaging yourself for a godly man. If you were my daughter, I would tell you this. I would say if you want to package yourself and get a moral, faithful guy, then dress morally and faithfully. If you were my daughter, I would say don't let your, your, your cleavage be longer than your sleevage. Because an immoral dressed woman always attracts an immoral what? That's right. Now, I can't even watch Hollywood shows anymore. I used to have a problem with cleavage. Now it comes all the way down to the belly button. You ever see some of those ones? It's like, oh my gosh. If you don't want to marry an unfaithful, immoral man that will cheat on you, don't dress that way. You don't have to. Don't let the guy not have an imagination for the rest of you. You don't show it off. Let him have an imagination. He said, well, she's beautiful just the way she is, dressed modestly. I wonder what else is in there. That's what you do. That's what Ruth is being told by Naomi. Come on, finish your hair. Go wash, anoint yourself. Wait, don't get in his face. Don't get in his face. Well, if he loves me more than the football game, he'll just understand it. No, don't be foolish. Come on, don't expect a man to be like a woman. I'm trying to teach you how to be an incredible single woman that you can get yourself an incredible man, a godly man. And this is what is happening here. So she goes down, as you know the story, she goes down, and he's eating. And it's a, how many ever been to a, a harvest party? Anyone ever worked on a farm? Harvest party. You know what happens at a harvest party? They eat lots of food, a little bit of wine, and then some, and there's some dancing, and it's a festive. She didn't come up and break up the show. I'm here! I'm here! No, she didn't do that. She went in there, and they're eating, and they're drinking, and they're dancing, and they're having a good time, and, and he's sitting down, and he's watching the festivities and everything else, and then it's time to go to bed. So everyone start going, they start crashing out. Maybe they had a little bit too much to drink, and so she goes to where he's sleeping. He crashes, and if you read the story of Ruth, she takes the blanket. She's dressed beautiful. She's dressed modest. She lays at his feet and covers herself. About a couple hours later, what happens? Who's, who's that? She says, it's your servant, Ruth. And if you count me worthy, 
I would like to be your spouse. And he says to her, I am not the nearest kin to you. The birthright goes to the nearest kin, and that's not me. But if you trust me, I will do my best to see what I can do. And she doesn't go, all the rejection. You don't know a good thing when you see it, man. What's wrong with you? All the rejection. No, she doesn't say that. You know what she does when she does these four things? She has trust in God. There's two things that men despise. The first is the devil. The second is a desperate woman. You know that, ladies? No man likes a desperate woman. She doesn't act desperate. She says, okay, I did my part. You do what you want. And so what he does, you know the story goes, and he finds out the next nearest of kin, and the guy says, oh, yeah, I want the fields. I want the house. I'll take her. He says, oh, yeah, but you've got to marry Ruth, too. And he goes, well, I can't marry her. I'm already married. He says, I can't do it. You do it. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And because Ruth waited and was patient, it seemed like she was rejected, but she wasn't rejected. She just had to wait on the timing of the Lord. And because she had inner beauty of teachable, inner beauty of a work ethic, inner beauty of trusting the Lord, she, the incredible single woman, married him, and she went from barley fields to the palace. She went from planning her next meal to planning high society parties in Bethlehem. And this incredible single woman, listen to me, ladies, this incredible single woman became an incredible mom, an incredible grandma, and she became the great-grandmother of King David. Did you know that? From another country who had a terrible past, but she let God take it and turn it around. She's the great-grandmother of King David. And why did David become a man after God's heart? Don't you think some of it had to go back to because she was first an incredible single woman? She wasn't desperate. Oh, I got to get married. Oh, my time clock's running out. I got to get a man. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare. There's some wisdom with some of those older ladies that can tell you, listen, this is what a man needs. Don't let him tell you. Listen to your mother. Listen to your mother-in-law. We can tell you and save you through some pain, amen? And today, as you look around, we have some incredible moms here. But you singles, it's because they were first incredible single ladies. Amazing, isn't it? It's all about faith. I close with this. An incredible single woman by the name of Ruth knows she must go where she's never been to obtain something she does not have. Number two, she knows to whom she's been assigned and she doesn't do it with an attitude. Mother-in-law. She knows that a productive, godly, moral, faithful man looks for the same in a productive woman. And number four, she knows she should dress for where she is going. You want an immoral man? You dress immorally. You want a faithful man? You dress faithfully. Let me tell you something. When you do these 
four little pieces of knowledge and faith, God will get any man anywhere on the planet to you in any time because it's done in faith. You know why I got such an amazing single woman? is because I did all these things and God blessed me because of it. She was from Syracuse, I was from Sarnia, Ontario, Canada, and God put us together in East Providence, Rhode Island. Amazing. It's amazing. It's called the goodness of our God. Amen? Amen. Would you bow? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we have some amazing moms in the sound of my voice and here at Evangelical Christian Church. I pray, Lord, for these single moms and single ladies that want a godly man, that they would listen, Lord God, to what I preached on. And they, Lord God, would understand it takes faith, for God is a rewarder of faith. Lord, I pray that you, Lord, will show yourself real to these ladies. Don't let them sell out. Don't let them sell short, Lord, like Esau did. But let them hang on, Lord God, and get your best like Jacob did because he had faith in you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching from the Word of God. My name is Paul Height. I'm the pastor of Evangelical Christian Church, located at 1325 Watertown Ave in Waterbury, Connecticut. We would love to have you join us and worship Jesus Christ this coming Sunday at 1030. Now may God bless you, and may he continue to cause you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his Son, Jesus Christ.